Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the third. I promise this is the final installment of How to Activism. Me and Ananya just had so much we wanted to talk about. We just kind of like kept talking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this topic is really important. Um, And so we really wanted to be thorough and, um, and complete when we talked about it because there's so much important information here. And so we didn't want to, we didn't want to skimp on any details. (laughs) So anyway, um, this third and final installment, we will be talking about um, generational gaps. We'll be talking a little bit more about generational gaps because I want to include a little bit something here. Um, But we'll mainly be talking about barriers to effective partnerships. And then um, we'll be doing kind of a speed round and tips to apply and recapping everything we talked about because We've talked for like an hour in total of all the episodes mm-hmm. and there's just a lot to talk about and a lot to remember because a lot's happening. Yeah. Um, if you're just joining us, um, I'm announcing yes. I'm a guest of the podcast today and yes. it's been really great to talk. Um, <laughs> um, I'm, I do a few different things in my activism and I'd say the two main things are greening forward. So I'm the CEO of a youth-led nonprofit organization, and our mission is really to empower young leaders in the environmental movement. Um, And we do that by building resources for them, um, creating events and trainings, uh, and also providing tangible opportunities for them to level up their projects and become more effective, uh, like micro-grants. So that's a really great thing. And then the other thing that I do is work on organizing in New Jersey. And I'm the partnerships coordinator for an organization called the New Jersey Student Sustainability Coalition. Awesome. Yeah, you do a lot of really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. Um, so I just remembered there's some stuff I didn't get to include on the generational adult youth partnerships that we were talking about um, that I did really want to talk about. And it mainly came to accessibility and, I guess, diversity. Um, and so the first one I want to say is I was listening to this really cool podcast interview with Gloria Steinem. Um, and she was asked about generational um, gaps in activism because, like, she is of the, like, civil rights area or, like, era and um, and the, the, the Vietnam protest era, era. And she has been an activist for a really long time. And I think she has a lot of experience now. Like she, I think she's like, I guess the most physical embodiment of what we were talking about earlier of like being of that generation and fully understanding youth activism. But like now, now she's a baby boomer. I'm pretty sure she's pretty old. Ah, editing Lila here um, to say that Gloria Steinem is in fact 85 years old. I um, didn't know that because I think I've just like read some stuff about, like, what her life was like in her activism in the 70s, and I just never really done the math, but yeah, 85 years old. Anyway, carry on. Um, and, and she's not a youth activist anymore, um, and so she was asked about it, and she was saying, like, um, her biggest piece of advice, I guess, for bridging generational gaps Mm -hmm. is, like, if you are going to an event where, like, you know you are going to be, um, like, you're going to be, you're an older person and you know you are going to be in well company with people of your age, but you're not so sure that there's young people there. Like, bring, bring a friend, bring a younger person that you know. Like, if you are going to a Sunrise Movement organization and you know that you are going to be, and you are like Gen Z or you are millennial and you know that you're going to be in good company with Gen Z and millennials, like, bring your grandma, like, bridge generational gaps. And, and on the flip side of that, like, as I was saying, like, if you're going to an event that, like, you know it's going to be not only like older but like also like maybe further away or like again like it's 
in person and that's like harder to make or there's a harder cut time like maybe it's not 2 p.m on a thursday as i gave an example in an earlier podcast but it is at 9 p.m on a school night of some kind and like you know like you are technically available to go to that but you have sports that end at eight and you have to be home like by 10 and you can't and and like maybe it's in a place that like a bus doesn't go very often like recognizing the privilege that you have as an older person who can drive too and like that includes like the privilege of like 16 and 17 and 18 year old activists too of like if you are going somewhere and you want to bring a young person, make sure like everything is kind of as easy as you can make it for them, um, whether that's like offering to drive them or making sure you're selecting a time to go with them that like they'll be able to go like whatever it is, like making sure you are bringing a friend and you are making it accessible to bring that friend despite the generational gap on either end, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, now that I said all that, Let's get into the next topic or the next uh, category we want to talk about, barriers to effective partnerships and dealing with conflict. Mm -hmm. Do you want to start this off? Sure. So I would say it's like so easy to come up with like such a long list of all the barriers to effective partnerships. Um, There's communication, transportation, timing, so many other things, like cultural differences, yeah, um, having hol- or having like meetings on Sundays when there's religious obligations, mm-hmm. um, age gaps, like just, just like we can go on and on and on. But and one thing that's for sure is that when you're bringing together people from all different backgrounds, uh, you're gonna have conflict eventually, um, especially if it's a healthy organization that supports democratic values and open dialogue. You're gonna yes. like conflict does show up all the time because we have so many decisions to make. We have a lot of things that we agree on, but there's also a lot of things that we disagree on, even in an organization. I mean, just look at the Democratic presidential debate. Honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Everyone's a Democrat there, but you you wouldn't think so. Like, just by, like, the range of opinions mm -hmm. and feelings. Yeah. Even, like, in the most specific orgs, there's we're all different. We all have different lived experiences that shape our beliefs in different ways. So I think the best way is to be proactive about being prepared for conflict. Um, and being aware of the different dynamics that might show up when you do get into conflict. So, for example, if a young person and an adult disagree um, within the context of a primarily adult-led organization, you know that the dynamic is going to be a lot more challenging for the young person to feel validated and to speak up and to voice their concerns. And you know that it's going to be a lot easier to just go along with the dominant consensus. So... In order to prepare to deal with that and create hold a space for that kind of conversation that may be um, a form of conflict, it's to make sure that there are alternative pathways for making sure that people do have other ways to speak up and not just, it might not, like maybe the context is like there's a meeting where there's really heated conversation going on um, and a young person just doesn't feel ready to speak at that time. And I think one of the best things that you can do is like create alternatives, which might be, it might be having someone who is an adult, who's established in the org, who's an ally, being able to check in on you afterwards and get your own perspective. Maybe it's having some of the organization leadership, um, maybe having someone do a one-on-one with you space. Um, Maybe it's, 
you know, smaller group dialogue, which gives you a chance to speak up more. But I guess the, the really theme there is like having more options because different people process things in different ways and also different people speak up in different ways. And it's even harder when you're in the minority uh, in a different type of group. I think that's totally true. And also just like even even taking taking like race and taking class and taking everything like very physical and tangible out of it, like even just on a like like a mental level, like introverts, like people talk about this all the time, but like yeah. activism for introverts is so hard and I'm I'm a very loud extrovert. Yeah. So I can't actually speak to this personally. But like from from what I've learned and what I've heard and what I've read, like activism is so hard for introverts in general and yet like of course they bring such a insightful and important perspective to everything Mm -hmm. um and so even just like on a base level like it could be not someone's personality to speak up during Mm -hmm. like a heated argument or a really tough decision um but it doesn't mean that what they have to say isn't important and it doesn't mean that they shouldn't have an opportunity to voice it later or in a different medium or in a different way. Mm-hmm. Like also, oh my gosh, I'm like, I, like I was saying, like I'm an extrovert, but I have reservations about starting any fights over like online, like not just like on text or on email or something or like saying anything that might be like slightly interpreted as a certain way because it can always be interpreted a different way. Like I just... Like, I, I tend to, like, not want to disagree with people as much in that sense just because, like, it can be so hard to then adequately, like, communicate your true thoughts or, like, your true feelings until, like, you either get on a phone or, like, FaceTime, but specifically, like, in person, I prefer to have disagreements and stuff on because mm-hmm. it's, like, the only way to truly express your feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'd say that is so important for effective partnerships is not just communicating in any one way but having like physical meetings where you get to just like be shared time and space physically yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um I think some the two other things that I would say in terms of dealing with conflict is uh either know someone with the skill of facilitation or develop (laughs) your own skills of facilitation um and know when it's time to call someone else in to the Mm -hmm. conversation to help you have a better conversation right so like maybe that means calling in someone who you know is going to be a good ally to you um and talking through the situation with them or maybe that means um yeah just knowing that you can't have this conversation alone um and being willing to bring in a facilitator Uh, no my my elementary school there was like this program where when you get to fifth grade um the fifth graders then went through this like training and they mm-hmm. became playground mediators <laughs> and and then like you what you did is like anytime you got in a fight in like first or second grade like you just be like oh we got to get one of the fifth graders over here <laughs> and then you just talk through it all and the fifth graders like a lot of times like it's not even that they would be like okay here's what's wrong and like like just having someone there and then having someone like regulate the conversation so stuff doesn't like intentionally get too out of hand and also just having someone be like okay like just to make sure like this is what you believe and then like reiterating it Mm -hmm. um like in a very simple level like I know that you just talked for 10 minutes about how upset you are but specifically just to be clear you are upset about this thing Mm -hmm. or like having someone just like on the other hand be like okay like it seems to me that the main conflict here is not this or that but it's this thing and you guys should talk about this first like just having a third opinion not even like 
controlling the situation, but just, like, reiterating what people have to say or just being there and present and, like, in person and just, like, having someone that that can, like, hold everyone accountable mm-hmm. can be really, really Definitely. beneficial. Yeah. Um, and I think that another thing that goes along, but kind of a little bit separate, is, like, being very, very clear when you're setting, like, agreements before things really get going. So making sure to align yourselves with a set of ground rules or principles or just, like, you know, having those kind of conversations that don't necessarily feel super important or, like, directly relevant to the work when you're first getting started and working together, um, but setting it up in the beginning, like, deciding, like, how does decision-making, how, how are we going to do decision-making? Whose voices are going to be at the table? How are we going to hold each other accountable? Um, how are we going to hold conflict and disagreement? Um, we know what's our, what's our plan. And some of that feels, like, unnecessary, but it's so important to be as clear as possible in establishing expectations, in establishing goals, in um, making those agreements. That is so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the Hamez principles? I have not. Ooh. What are they? Um, so they're called the Hamez principles for democratic organizing. And I think this is really interesting. They were created when, a, like, in 1996, uh, a bunch uh-huh. of... Um, yeah, a huge group of people from a diverse, like, backgrounds and different organizations, um, they met around globalization. Uh, like, that was a big, big issue at the time. Mm-hmm. And so they, they came up with this set of six principles, um, which are now used pretty commonly. Actually, I don't know how commonly, but I know, like, there's a lot of big orgs that use this. Um, I know the Sierra Club really embraces these principles. Um and I think they're so helpful as principles for effective partnerships. Um, and so they are, number one, be inclusive. Number two, an emphasis on bottom-up organizing. Number three, let people speak for themselves. Number four, work together in solidarity and mutuality. And number, number five, build just relationships among ourselves. And then number six is commitment to self-transformation. And there's like there's like descriptive text for each of those, which are like I would highly recommend everyone reads this. Um, but if you can just like share these principles and say like this is um, like can we agree to align ourselves to these principles? Then if there is conflict that does emerge or something happens and doesn't necessarily feel quite right to you, you can go back to these and say, look, we agreed on these principles and I don't think we're acting in alignment with one of these principles. Can we talk more about this? And it gives you kind of a reference point. That is super cool. Um, I'm definitely going to link that below so people can all check those out. That is like really making me reconsider why all the organizations I'm part of didn't do that from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that is so important. Yeah, yeah that's, and that's so really many, cool. Yeah. That's so really many people cool don't know um, that these exist, but they do and it's wonderful awesome okay um well i think if you're ready to move on Mm -hmm. um we should move on to our speed round slash tips to apply overall um these didn't quite fit into a category but we really want to address them all because they're really important yeah let's do it okay firstly oh my gosh firstly is know yourself and know your values this pretty much speaks for itself Mm -hmm. but yeah know who you are going into this. I, 
I have a post-it on my wall. This is getting really corny. I talked about this a couple episodes ago on my Setting Goals podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have, like, a bunch of post- post-its with, like, quotes I believe in, um, like, on my bathroom mirror. So when I'm, like, brushing my teeth or, like, brushing my hair, like, I can see through the post-its to the mirror. But they're, like, most of the mirror. Um, and I have this quote on there that says, like, know, know who you are, know what you believe, know what you stand for, and don't settle mm-hmm. for anything less. Which I think yeah. is just so important. Like, there are... There's situations where, like, you are just going to find yourself, like, later on, like, after you're involved and you're just gonna be like, this does not reflect me any, like, maybe it's, like, it doesn't reflect or reflect me. Maybe it's, like, it doesn't reflect me anymore. Like, maybe you're just, like, things have changed so much and I need to either, like, reassess and figure out if I can make change from within or take a step back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think the other thing is a lot of times when conflict shows up, it's about some sort of values that contradict each other. So, like, even positive values can come into conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm trying to think of an example, but th- there's, like, a lot of things. Like, maybe some people prioritize, like, honesty versus, like, other another person might prioritize, like, this is kind of a bad example, but, like, honesty and kindness. Um, and, like, in one sense. Like, I think that's a really a, good example. Yeah, <laughs> telling a small, like, a small white lie to mm-hmm. one person seems like not a big of deal because it's in the sake of being kind to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but to another person, that's a really clear violation because it's not being honest. Um, and so even with positive things, we come into conflict. So understanding exactly like where you stand and then trying to understand what they value that's like a con- that's conflicting with your values. I think it's a really helpful way of looking at conflict. I totally agree. Uh, secondly is just... Be a good listener. And I think this this goes deeper than just being, like, make sure you're hearing what they're saying. Like, mm-hmm. I think this this requires you to, like, take yourself and put yourself, like, not just, like, in their point of view and, like, their shoes, but, like, think about more context on them. Like, maybe, like, I guess continuing with your metaphor of, like, kindness and um, honesty is, like, think about, like, maybe why they value honesty and then think oh like I remember like kind of a while ago like they told me that they left their old organization because there was no honesty there and you're like okay well like that maybe makes sense to me now why they're upset that I told them a white lie because there is like a deeper context so there is mm-hmm. more that that makes the deeper that makes the white lie deeper and exactly. like hurt more yeah um, so, like listen so without really just I'm sorry yeah no listen no. without an up- assumption no, totally. Yeah. Or maybe listen, not even like without assumption, but like listen with true like background and like with, with knowledge on what you already know. And this is also like very personal. Like I think you'd have to be very personal to know something like that. Um, but in general, just like being, being really, really empathetic when you're listening. Mm-hmm. Um, nextly is just be aware of the space that you're taking up. Um, this is pretty short, but like, I think there, there's a fine line we were talking about before we started recording, but there's a fine line between tokenization where you are just purely taking someone because they are like a person of color or a young person um, and your organization is like supposedly diverse. And so you're just kind of tapping them to always represent the organization and always speak for you guys. Mm-hmm. But there is also like another line between like having you either as a white person or just always having the white people in your organization um, be the ones speaking. And I think it's, it's obviously like there is there's no specific way that we can say like oh well if you talk two-thirds of the time like there is no there's no right way to handle this but know that 
there is a thin line and you should always be making sure that you're trying to walk it between um, tokenization and just like complete um, lack of representation from anyone and also just like a lack of shared not not shared experiences in the sense of like that but like in the terms of like when you receive opportunities Mm -hmm. through your organization like making sure you are sharing those equally Mm -hmm. Uh, whether that's speaking jobs making whether that's like like whatever it is recognize that sometimes there's sometimes it's better for you to be quiet and like just basically quietly supporting them like maybe it's better for you to be writing the speech than giving it this time Mm -hmm. or most of the time Um, and then also just, like, don't have high expectations for people. People are – I think we, we kind of keep saying this, but people are complicated, and you don't know everything about people. Um, but you should be willing to – you should have expectations, and, and you yeah. should talk about them, I think. like, unreasonable expectations, I would say. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, I think, to clarify. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think – I think obviously, as we were saying before, you should set expectations. Um, and so there are clear expectations, but like also, like especially this is with youth, like don't expect them to be able to show up to a meeting mm-hmm. um, at a two p.m. on Thursday. Like that is that is unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the next one is be willing to be a bit vulnerable and share your story. Um, I think it can be really uncomfortable when you're just starting out and like something doesn't sit right with you to speak up about that but that's really what allows us to create change and to make our organizations more equitable and you know more accessible it's you being willing to move that forward Um, and that's also the best way to connect to other people is if you are able to start that by being a little bit vulnerable yourself um, other people will be more vulnerable to you and they'll be able to open up more and that's how you can create a deeper relationship yeah and also just like use your resources like um we're talking about this i think there's like actually a million ways to interpret this um and talk about this and there's a million ways that this manifests itself but just one is like that that i'm thinking of right now is like if you can't pay your interns which we were talking about before like providing them by like talking to your friend who you know is like going to run for office like next year and you know has more money or has a budget to pay for people like being like hey like I'm sorry I wasn't able to pay for you. I will definitely write you letters of recommendation anytime you need. Um, and I'd like to introduce you to this contact who can pay you um, or who can offer you something else like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's use resources like that if anyone needs. I think recommendations are really big. Recommendation letters and stuff like that is like a really and also and like resource. you can also ask for stipends if you travel. Like you can ask for a stipend to travel costs or things like that. Like I know that I've done that with speaking gigs. Like um yeah ask for ask your travel to be reimbursed just like make that ask because you deserve it yeah totally 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 um and then also just like communicate clearly um set expectations in the beginning a really good idea for the expectations you should set are the Hamez principles which we just talked about but um setting any kind of expectation and then making agreements and establishing a clear goal is just so so important because if you don't you can stray from the path you can end up not holding meetings often you can end up not having a clear direction um and i think that is that that makes your organization powerless mm-hmm. and then next also just like find allies um and make sure that you are working like in a very 
um, communal sense um, and that you are making sure you know what you are working with and or making sure that you are always working with other people in mind. Mm-hmm. And, like, again, like, this this goes back to the same quote that we started at the beginning with, but, like, oh, my gosh, now I keep forgetting it. It's, like, fly, Move at the speed of trust. Move at, yes. Yeah, like, move at the speed of trust. Like, make <laughs> sure that you are are moving, not just, like, at the speed of trust, but that everyone is all moving at the same speed as you because you were all working and trusting and communicating mm-hmm. with each other. Yeah, and the word that I really love when it comes to this is reciprocity and like this is just such a great word because it means like it might not mean like things are equal on both ends but it means that you were you were giving what you can and they are giving what they can and it the relationship goes both ways yeah the dictionary definition of it is just like the practice of exchanging things with others for a mutual benefit especially privileges granted by one country or another or or organization to another mm-hmm. i think that is the best way to summarize what we've just been trying to reiterate. <laughs> and then finally, um, work hard and be gentle with yourself and understand um, your flaws and understand that work will always be messy um, and things will never be perfect. Um, and on both sides of that, though, you can, I wouldn't say like you can always do better, but like you can always be more intentional. Like I'd never say like push yourself and push the, quantity of work to more um because i i believe there is like a human max but i think there is like maybe you could have been more intersectional with this certain thing or you could have passed that opportunity to someone else or something like that like it's so important just to be um to to work hard and to work i guess like smartly um but then on the other hand of that like to understand what you need like just kind of as a perfect I guess example to this is I'm the kind of person like I'm I'm the friend in the friend groups that's always like hey we should hang out and then everyone is like oh Mm. yeah that's a really good idea and then I'm the one that's like okay is everyone available at this time and then everyone's like yes I'm available at that time or like no can we do this and I'm like okay is everyone available at this time then and then everyone's like okay great like what are we gonna do and then the responsibility of what we're gonna do falls on me (laughs) and I I'm so I'm kind of the person that always does that and because of that like I actually spend kind of like I wouldn't say like a lot of time but I think I spend more time than other people do like planning to meet up with people and like planning what we're gonna do and figuring Mm -hmm. out that stuff before it happens because not that people expect me to um but I think a lot of times like there are just kind of there are two people two kinds of people in the world and it's the kind of people that hang out with people because they're invited and it's the kind of people that like not 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 like in the friendship sense like oh you know like that but just like in the sense of like some people are just like materially built to like be good at thinking that far ahead that they're like I'm gonna want to see you this weekend let's do something I I'm good at like research and like researching activities and stuff like that so I will plan it um and there's the people that just kind of passively take a passive approach I think to socializing and that's kind of a larger example of just like like there is a point where you need to recognize that like you are doing a lot of work so tying this back is like I I'm I'm on Thanksgiving break right now <laughs> it's it feels weird and funny to date this because I think I don't, I don't even know when it, this is going to come out because there are so many parts like it's going to be many weeks from now but like my plan for Thanksgiving break and originally winter break my family's plans for winter break are not changing but my original plan for Thanksgiving and winter break was just 
basically to not hang out with anyone. And it was like a very intentional choice that I really knew I wanted to work on my podcast. And I knew I wanted to read books and watch movies and stay in my PJs all day like I am right now. Um, And it's because I know that I worked really hard these past three months in school and socially and and like activacy. Um, and I know that like, I recognize like, this is the perfect break for me to just not do anything mm-hmm. and very happily. Um, so know where, know that you can always work harder, but also know where your max is and recognize like, everyone's always like, Oh, self-care, blah, 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 blah. But like recognize that like self-care, <laughs> I sort of talked about this in an earlier episode about mm-hmm. like self-care isn't um, like anti-capitalist self-care, but like self-care can really just mean like, not hanging out with someone and saying no and being like actually I don't have the energy to give my time to you like mm-hmm. I I still love you and I still want to be your friend but it I just don't have the energy for this mm-hmm. oh my gosh you're gonna love reading emergent strategy <laughs> um and just for all yes. the listeners um I would highly recommend the book emergent strategy by Adrian Murray Brown um it is life-changing it is um I think you described it as like activist self-care or activist self-help it yeah. sounds really cool. I'm really excited to read it. Um, <laughs> yes. Okay. So really quickly before we end this podcast, because I listen to this other podcast that like every time they talk about stuff, they like recap it. And it's so helpful because sometimes you're like just doing other stuff and you sort of forget. Um, but just to like make sure we recap everything from these past three episodes, because we talked about a lot of stuff. Um, just like the fact of like, it's important to build community Um, You're not doing activism alone. And I gave the example, like, you are my other self. Like, really just approach everything with, like, we all are here because we all care about this. And fundamentally, like, we should work together because we all, like, want this this overarching goal. And we all, at the end, care about the same stuff. Um, Secondly, partnerships apply to any scale. Um, They can be individual. They can be organizational. They can be, like, mass- company-wise I know like this is this is sort of like lifting the curtain maybe more than I should be right now but I know that there's like a lot of um conversations going on between climate strike national and sunrise just because like I think they're they're doing pretty similar stuff and then like on the strikes on like the days of strikes basically like sun or not sunrise um Fridays for Future and like I know Fridays for Future like on the days that there's climate strikes just basically tell everyone to instead go to the climate strikes instead of Fridays for Future. And, and so they have sort of shared ideas. And so they, I, I hope right now that they're like in talks about that right now and, and what that means and how it can better be um, planned together. But it can be, partnerships can be any scale. Um, and then there's a lot of dynamics that can show up. Um, partnerships, there's like a lot of, there's a lot of blocks to partnerships um, and barriers. Um, but make sure that you are just being intersectional and recognizing like my like I'm going to an event with all older people and I should invite a younger person but also like they might not be able to drive so I'll also offer them a a ride or something like that like taking the further step to really think about that um and on a on a kind of taking a step back from that just like forming relationships like making sure there are barriers to forming those but um it's important to do that um and then when you're building relationships to think about setting goals and expectations at the beginning um and that could be um what were the what was the example that you gave at the beginning of this um the i'm trying to find it right now the james principles no the james principles yeah the james principles um just setting expectations and stuff like that 
um, and understanding your own personal values and missions, where they match up. Um, the, sorry, um, yeah, like, emphasizing, like, um, oh my gosh, wait, I'm sorry, I'm so lost. Okay, here we go. Um, um, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Um, partnerships, yeah. Um, and then also just, like, youth adult partnerships. There's a lot to talk about. There's no shame in trying to get a mediator or a person to, like, talk with you guys and help you when you realize that there's just, there's, like, a gone too far or it just would be beneficial to have someone help you work through the conflict um think about the roger hart's ladder of participation and um thinking about like when you are being um when you're being used for someone else's benefit more than you are receiving benefit um and understanding generational gaps are hard. There's tri- they're really tricky. There's, like, a million stories I'm sure every youth activist has about these. Um, but recognizing, yeah, just, like, I think the best way to bridge it is just to talk and to communicate and to invite each other to each other's events and to talk about it. Like, oh, well, okay, one of the people, like, they that asked me to explain OK Boomer, like, found this article on it. And then they emailed it to me and they were like, is this a real thing? Like, do kids really <laughs> say this? Or, like, like just... Like, and it wasn't accusatory. It wasn't like, oh my God, why does your generation hate mine? But it, it was starting a dialogue. And it was like, hey, like, oh, isn't that cool? Um, and um, barriers to effective partnerships, um, they can be hard. Conflicts can show up, but it's really just important to work through those and work through them kindly and respectfully. Um, and then we hit a bunch of stuff just past now about knowing yourself and your values learning to be a good listener being aware of the space you're taking up don't have un- unreasonable or high expectation or like un- too high expectations um be willing to be a bit vulnerable and share your story use your resources communicate clearly set expectations um, and make agreements find a central goal you want to work towards uh find allies and wait okay i don't really know how to pronounce the word reciprocity yeah you got it Yes, work with reciprocity um, and just work hard and be gentle and know yourself. Um, thank you so much, Ananya, for being on these past three episodes. I think we talked about a lot of really important stuff and I'm so glad I had your insight here to unpack this because I really didn't know anything about this topic. <laughs> I think you have a lot of experience. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely just like something that you get better and better over time, especially the more experiences that you gain. So to everyone listening, um, you're well on your way to being a master of partnerships. Yes, 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 yes. Um, okay, so as any final closing words, um, I'll be plugging your Instagram and your organization's Instagram greeting forward um, yes. down below as I have these past two episodes. Um, is there anything else you want to shout out? Anything coming up for anyone? Anything? Mm. Any oh, final words? Yes. Um, yeah? I will say there is another great podcast called Healing Justice Podcast. Do you listen to it? Have you ever heard I of it? I don't. I don't oh know. Oh my goodness. Okay. They, they're doing a <laughs> series recently um, about uh-huh. youth organizing and so they had an episode that was just released recently. I haven't gotten around to listen to it, but I will still endorse. Um, it's about awesome. intergenerational organizing. And I think the organization that was featured is the Chinese Progressive Association. Um, and that just reminded me that there's like 
when we're talking about intergenerational organizing, which we talked a lot more about um, in the second episode in this series, um, mm-hmm. especially like indigenous organization and indigenous culture, um, does it like is rooted in intergener- intergenerational um, like work. So yeah. just like learning from our elders in this movement and the people that have paved the path before us. So, so important. Um, great. And on that note, we will end. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening, sticking around. This is my first time doing, like, a three-part series this um, on a guide instead of just one. <laughs> it's a trilogy. It's my first trilogy. Um, so, yeah. And I'm really, really happy we just got to dive into this mm-hmm. because it's such an important topic. And I think it's it's really just never talked about. And honestly, like, that just contributes more to the lack of generational communication. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, everyone, for listening to us talk. <laughs> yeah. All right, and you can find me and Ananya on our Instagrams down below. And if you follow us, you can catch up on all the exciting things we're both doing and promoting. Um, Great. All right, thank you all for listening. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. Um, Before you go, I just want to remind you all um, that it would be so, so, so appreciated if you are listening on Apple Podcasts to leave a review, leave a star rating, um, say something nice, share this with a friend, just keep on listening, all of your support means so much to me, um, and I just, I'm so grateful to have such a supportive listenership base, so, Thank you all so much for listening, and please share and support this podcast. You can also follow the podcast Instagram link down below. I linked a lot of stuff down below, Um, so I would recommend just going through all the show notes and checking some of them out because there's some really cool stuff in there.